electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. And welcome to the Halftime Report. I am Frank Collin, in for the judge, Scott Wapner, a downgrade for stocks. Is it time to get a bit cautious and get ready for a possible pullback? We'll debate how to navigate this market from here and the best place for your money headed into the fall and, of course, the final months of 2021. Our investment committee today, Stephanie Link, Joe Terranova, Jim Liebenthal, and Pete Najarian, co-founder of MarketRebellion.com. But first, let's get a check on the markets right now. The Dow's actually on track for its worst day since mid-August. The Nasdaq, it hit a new intraday high before pulling back a bit. So, Investment Committee, that's the setup right now. Market's down just a bit. You see the S&P down about a third of a percent. The Nasdaq, pretty much flat. That's something we're going to touch on in just a minute. But we have a lot of mixed data, a lot of mixed notes out here. I'm going to run down a few of them. Morgan Stanley, very bearish on U.S. equities, largely due to expectations that the Fed will roll back easing money policy. Bank of America says Fed tightening does not necessarily translate into a downturn. Goldman saying the delta and tightening monetarily by the Fed likely to hurt GDP. And then we have Tom Lee forecasting a bit of a, a record September, but saying you have to brace for a potential correction in October. And then you have Oppenheimer, last but not least, saying don't stop believing. I would call that the journey trade, if you will. Pete Najarian, I'm going to start things off with you. How are you digesting all these, these uh, differing takes on the market and the rest of the year? Yeah, and it, it makes sense, quite honestly, Frank. I mean, when you really look at what the uh, what we're hearing there, a lot of it makes a lot of sense. You know, we're looking for a pullback. Why are we looking for a pullback? Well, because we've essentially gone to a new high almost every single day, it seems like, in the markets. And, and people are just wondering, when does this end? When do we get that pullback, that correction? And we just haven't really seen that. But, you know, I think it comes down to a, a combination of a lot of different things, Frank. I think when you look at the velocity of these markets, um, it's really lost that same velocity that we had Two months ago, three months ago, four months ago, we, we've really lost a lot of that of late where we're seeing the markets actually moving in a much tighter range. We're seeing volatility also coming in. We've been trading somewhere close to call it 16, 17. Today we popped over 18. That didn't even last very long. We can't sustain anything in volatility much over 20 for any long periods of time. You go back to May was the last time that we actually had a couple of days or a week or so where we actually did something like that. So I think that there's a lot going on here when it comes to a lot of that. So uh, I think the reality is that the volumes in the markets, this is a summer like we haven't had in a very long time, uh, I, I guess, because if you go back, 35 to 36 million contracts every single day is what we are trading in the derivatives markets. These are unreal numbers. So the volume is strong. The velocity is not really there. And, and volatility has come in. So for me, I look at a lot of these various calls. They all make some sense. I'm staying very, very bullish because I think that as we've gone through this whole thing, we've had a lot of stumbles. We've had this and that. We've had a couple spikes in volatility and pullbacks, but they've been they've been very, very short. And so for that reason, I think it makes a lot more sense to still continue to lean long. 
So, Pete, you're staring bullish. Uh, Morgan Stanley, I want to touch on this note one more time yep. with you, Stephanie. Very bearish, really looking to the Fed tightening as being the reason or the potential catalyst for the markets to take a downturn. Do you agree or disagree? I like the debate, Frank, a lot. I don't want to have consensus out there. We always have to have something to worry about. That's what the market always does. We climb a wall of worry. I think September is going to be volatile. I think especially because earnings season is over. And so now we're kind of focused on the macro. And the macro, we know GDP is slowing. We knew that second quarter was the peak. We knew it would slow. And it's actually exacerbated because of the Delta cases and the supply chain issues and the lack of sufficient workers. So, But I still think you're going to see above-trend growth in the U.S., and eventually all these things I mentioned are going to reverse, and that will be a nice tailwind. So for now, I expect volatility. I think it's going to increase in the month of September, setting up a very strong fourth quarter. So, Stephanie, I just want to make sure uh, I'm getting you right. So I, I want to be clear. Tom Lee forecasting a record September and then a potential correction in October. So are you saying that you see that yeah. volatility leading to new highs in September? And are you also seeing that potential correction no. coming up later in the year? No, I mean, I actually think September is going to be rocky. I really do. Um, September is seasonally a weak month for the year. Um, and so I think that that's going to hold true. Um, and I'm looking for opportunities, though, to rally into the end of the year because we still have a ton of stimulus in the system. That's not going away. Data points are still really good on the economy and earnings will be just fine and stocks follow earnings. So I expect September to be kind of weakish, volatile. And then I'm looking for opportunities to buy. You know, opportunities, Joe Terranova, that's what everybody's looking for right now. I see you also, you hold Netflix hitting a new record high today. Where are you seeing the opportunities in this market and which one of these forecasts do you agree with? Well, I, I think as it relates to equities, it's a very complicated scenario to be timing when exactly a correction is going to come. Uh, I agree with both Steph and Pete. I maintain a bullish outlook. I think it's difficult not to maintain a bullish outlook. When you have the large majority of what the composition of the S&P 500 is, being mega cap technology, mm -hmm. continuing to move higher. Uh, you've got Apple at a new all-time high, and now we've got Netflix, which has been in a, a dramatic consolidation range for the better part of 2021, having this massive technical breakout. I believe in the technical breakout. I talked about it last week on the show. I think you could see Netflix in the six and a quarter to six fifty range. There has been some positive fundamentals, but beyond the fundamentals, there's also the technical factors that are contributing it as well. So, you know, you could talk all day about when ultimately a correction is going to come. Uh, I know for someone like Pete and myself, if we see the evidence building, Frank, that a correction is coming. Uh, there is many ways that you can hedge in the derivatives market, whether it's the use of futures or it's the use of options themselves. Certainly that insurance, Pete will tell you, is pretty cheap right now to buy. Farmer Jim, I want to go over to you. Uh, Goldman also saying that, in their opinion at least, the consumer, the consumer starting to weaken a bit with a lot of these Delta concerns and also the potential of Fed, uh, the Fed tightening their policy. And also we're seeing the stimulus come to an end to a large degree. What is your take? Where do you see these forecasts in your mind? Do you see a potential correction coming up in October? Um, I don't. I don't. And, you know, when we keep talking about the correction, which we've been doing for months, anticipating this correction, one of the things I've believed is that any downturn is likely to be met with buying the dip. And where that buying the dip come from, comes from is liquidity via the Fed. Now, the taper. Let's talk about the taper for a second. I know of absolutely no one who thinks that the Fed tapering bond purchases will crush the economy. Just nobody thinks that. All right. That's not what's out there. So what we're talking about is 
removing an unnecessary accommodation. But what it will do is remove liquidities on the margin, on the margin. Again, this is not going to happen next month. It's not going to happen this month. Maybe it's November. Maybe it's December. Maybe it's January. When it starts, it's very gradual. And the point that I'm making is for the foreseeable future, any downturn is likely to be met with still large waves of liquidity. So tapering and the Fed, that's not on my mind right now. What is on my mind is Delta. It's clearly Mm. affecting the stock market. You can see it in the reopening trade, which has sputtered the last three months. I think we should be thinking about what if Dr. Gottlieb is right? What if this peaks in the next few weeks? Then what happens to the reopening trade? I've made some moves. We'll talk about them later, but I am clearly in the camp that the reopening trade is where you should be right now. Let the, let the FANG names run. Joe made a great point. Let them run. My Apple, I'm loving that. Google, Microsoft, same thing. But be prepared for the reopening trade to take over in a few weeks. All right, speaking of those FANG names running, let's get over to Dom Chu with a news alert on Apple. Dom. All right, the news alert is California streaming, Frank. That is the invitation officially that just went out from Apple announcing it's September 14th. September 14th event for the media at which it's widely expected it will introduce new iPhone models, possibly the iPhone 13, as well as perhaps the speculation is perhaps new AirPod models as well. Also checking out what's happening with new Apple Watch models. So if you look at all of those, remember Apple trading at all time highs so far in trading today, it will be at September 14th, 10 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time. Watch it on Apple.com. They are broadcasting from Apple Park. So, again, this has gone out. We usually see this event happen in September where the iPhones are announced. Last year, because of COVID, it happened in October. But all of this, Frank, supposedly there to help prepare consumers alike, everybody alike, for all of those products that will be launched possibly in time for the holiday shopping season. So keep an eye on those Apple shares, Frank. Back over to you. Yeah, Dom, I know you're a tech guy. I know you're ready for whatever they're going to announce. You're, you're going to probably be a buyer. Um, a lot of people out there, buyers, Apple trading at all-time highs. Today's shares up almost 14% this quarter. So back to the investment committee. Will tech continue to be that go-to place for investors in the month ahead? Stephanie, right now, your market weight on Apple? Yeah, market weight on Apple, market weight on Amazon. Uh, Alphabet is the one that I'm overweight on. But I have to tell you, Frank, I'm a little nervous. It's up 66% year to date. Although then I look at it and I say, well, it's only trading at about 25 times earnings for all that great growth. I mean, website revenues last quarter grew 71% year over year, led by search and YouTube. And travel, they've got easy comparisons. So that's the one I want to make my bet on. It's not that I don't like Apple or Amazon. It's just that I think they're very well liked. I mean, they're 100% buys on Amazon on the sell side. So, you know, who's to upgrade it kind of thing. So I have I have exposure. I like them, uh, but I prefer Alphabet here, although I'm not buying up here. If it pulls back, I'd love to get some more. So, Steph, I got to ask you and I'm asking the rest of the investment committee, exactly how important is Apple to the market, at least moving higher? We talk about those FANG names being almost a quarter of the S&P 500 now. Where do you see Apple's place in a potential rally for the rest of the year? Well, no, I think it's very important psychologically, but it's had a nice run. And again, a lot of people own it already. So who is your incremental buyer? So we certainly don't want it to see it crash or to pull back. Um, but I just don't think the iPhone cycle, the next one, the 13, is going to be the super cycle. And so if, you, if, 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 that's, if I'm right, then I really think that it might struggle here, you know, just meaningfully to go uh, any much higher at this point anyway. All right. Apple held across the board on this committee. Uh, Farmer Jim, I'm going to go over to you. What's your take on Apple? How important is it to the markets moving higher and where do you see the stock going for the rest of the year? 
Well, so let's start with how important it is. Of course, it's important because it's whatever, 5 6% of the S&P 500. And even if the FANG is 24%, that leaves 76% of the market that isn't FANG. Now, right now, it has a bid. I'm riding it. Uh, longtime viewers know that I picked up a trading portion to add to my core portion. I picked this up in February and March around 120. If we get up towards 170, I would let those trading shares go. But regardless, right now, you let Apple run. You have to be realistic at the same time. The last five years, compound annual growth rate in the stock is 45%. That is unlikely to continue over the next one, three, or five years. Still positive gains. But I would look for leadership in the stock market to come from outside of these FANG names that have been so dominant. Even as I maintain my core positions in Microsoft, Google, and Apple, what I'm saying is let them run right now. But when this run goes out of steam, be prepared to take your trading shares off. So, Joe, I see you have uh, not only Apple in your portfolio, you also have Microsoft, CrowdStrike, Fortinet. So you have a pretty healthy tech portfolio. First, let's start off with how important Apple is and just in general tech. Is that still the safe place to go? Well, in a world where we're questioning where the growth is economically, you look towards mega cap technology and you see the representation of consistent, sustainable double digit growth. And the earnings report, whether it was for Alphabet, Microsoft or Apple in the previous quarter, was exhibited of that. I think when you're looking at Apple, Steph mentions who's the incremental buyer. I look and say, well, who's the buyer of last resort if we ever see a correction for Apple and a lot of these mega cap technologies, and it's the companies themselves. They've announced historic buybacks. I think Apple's going to buy back about $90 billion worth of their own stock uh, this year. They're introducing products. Let's not dismiss how powerful uh, the upgrade cycle is for AirPods. Clearly, I think all of us are refreshing those on an annualized basis. So I, I just look at these names overall, Frank, and I think the question that you always ask yourself is if you're going to sell something, where are you going to reallocate that capital towards? Mm -hmm. I think that's the biggest question right now. You're not going to sit in cash, um, depreciating asset at basically 2% per year. So where's the capital go, if not in a lot of these big technology names? I know Jim mentioned he think there would be a rotation, uh, but that's the big question you have to ask yourself. Yeah. Another big question is, is there any action on the options market for Apple? We're just showing the stock up 177 percent year to date. Uh, Pete, I know you're long on Apple, but are there any other moves in the options market that we can kind of play off this Apple trade? Absolutely, Frank. I mean, quite honestly, we've been seeing this now, not just recently, but even going back the last week or two or three or thereabouts. We have seen upside call buying in Apple that's been absolutely extraordinary, going as high as 170, 180, going out in time, a lot of it being very short term as well. But we continue to see that sort of theme play out. And what I like about Apple so much is as, as much as we look at this and we get a little bit nervous about, you know, the pauses and, and, and what's going to happen with Apple and that little bit of a pullback that it had. I, I, I never really got all that nervous about it because when you really look at the company itself and the cash that they continue to just their cash flows are just outrageous. Joe was talking about the buybacks. That's just one more element of what they're doing with their cash. But the reality about Apple is this, that everybody seems to forget oftentimes, not the committee. I'm talking about outside of this, where they talk about uh, where, wh what's the next move? What about the phone? And, and I don't think that the phone is the category that we need to worry about. 
I think when we look at the phone, obviously, 40-50% or thereabouts of, of what they're looking for for revenues. But the reality is, where are they getting the growth? And the growth is in services. The growth is in wearables. And that's where the margins are as well. So mm -hmm. I think oftentimes that we, we're not really defining what Apple is and what they've morphed into. And that is where they're focused. And I love the fact that they focus there where they do get better margins, where they do get a lot more opportunity um, to, to create something more about Apple other than an outside of the phone. I think that you could say the same things about Microsoft and some of the other greats. The pause is okay. The pause wasn't necessarily a huge sell-off. It was a pause in these stocks. You go back and you look at Apple from, from early July and how it just sort of sat there for a while, and that's okay. I think that's what we're looking for is that pause to go to the next level. And, yes, we've seen a lot of option activity way above where we are trading right now. All right, Apple up a percent and a half today, as we mentioned, hitting an all-time high. Now let's go back over to Dominic Chu. He's looking at Microsoft's performance versus the rest of those big software names. Dom. All right, so Frank, the $2 trillion club, there's two companies in it. As for right now, it's Apple and Microsoft. But when it comes to those software stocks, it really is just Microsoft and then everyone else. Not just because of the $2.2 trillion market cap. The next biggest software company is Adobe. It's $316 billion. Nothing to shake a stick at, but it's seven times the size of it but also because even at that size, it continues to produce returns seemingly just reserved for stocks with a fraction of that market cap. So Microsoft, Adobe, and Oracle, all mega cap software names that have yielded returns of between 30 and 40% just so far this year. One of the bigger ETFs that tracks the industry is the iShares Expanded Tech Software Fund. The ticker there is IGV. It's been an underperformer against the broader technology sector. It also lags the overall S&P 500 ever so slightly this year. Fortinet, you mentioned that before on the cybersecurity side, been a real standout. It's the fourth best performing stock in the entire S&P in 2021. CrowdStrike is another cyber name, not in the S&P 500, but still up nearly 30% year to date. But it hasn't been all rainbows and unicorns for the investors out there. Check out Autodesk, Citrix Systems, Coupa Software, they've posted negative returns in an up market so far in 2021. By the way, Coupa reports earnings after today's closing bell. And the options market, you guys were talking about that earlier, is pricing in what could already be a move up or down of 7% on the heels of that report. So there could be a lot of action in some of these beaten up software names. Frank, back over to you. All right, Dom, I appreciate it. Uh, Microsoft actually reiterated as a buy today by Goldman Sachs. We're going to talk a little bit of software right now. Stephanie, if you don't mind, we start with you. I see you have a couple software names, including Microsoft and CrowdStrike, and the aforementioned that Dom just mentioned, Fortinet, having a great performance so far this year. What is your take when it comes to software in tech? Is that a good place to, to go as a safe haven, or do you see that still continuing to be a growth? I think you pick your spots, Frank. I don't own Microsoft at this point because I see other opportunities. Anaplan, for example, it's a cloud play. It's still down 6% year to date. It's lagged massively, but it's an enterprise IT recovery play. And they just reported last week and billings were up 36% year over year and bookings were up 34% year over year. So good visibility. I also own Cisco for the same idea, right? It's, it's all about enterprise IT recovery and the reopening. So I just see other options elsewhere that are more attractive to me. Joe, back over to you. And I want to apologize, Stephanie, you do not own Microsoft. But uh, Joe, you actually do along with uh, CrowdStrike and Fortinet. I think I got those notes mixed up a bit. What's your take on Microsoft's performance versus those other big-time software players? Well, I think, first of all, when I think about software, uh, it's important to understand in an economic cycle 
software tends to be very resilient if you begin to see growth to uh, decelerate. Uh, in particular, corporations, the last thing they cut back on is their software upgrades. So there seems to be a little bit of a defensive element towards software itself. That being said, though, I want it to stay high up in quality, and I think Microsoft is the name that clearly provides that for you. I think a lot of the software names uh, in 2020, they saw the opportunity of future revenue growth pulled forward in that digital stay-at-home environment very dramatically. So I, I was very cautious about entering a lot of those names. I did enter the cyber names. I think the cyber names are clearly uh, where you're seeing a lot of positive momentum. I have CrowdStrike. I have Fortinet. They've run extensively. I would not chase either of those names right here. Uh, but on any pullback, I think you remain high up in quality. Adobe would be the first name on a pullback that I would be looking to acquire. And I do think you've seen a paradigm shift post-earnings for Salesforce. That would be another name on a pullback I'd be looking to acquire. Yeah, speaking of Salesforce, Jim, I know you own Salesforce. One point of order, uh, Jim, earlier you said that Dr. Gottlieb said earlier today on Squawk Box that we were nearing the peak. He actually said the worst is possibly coming with school being an incubator for the spread. So just with that in, in mind, does that change your take on a software play? I know you also, again, own uh, excuse me, uh, Salesforce, great performer, tripling the market over the last month. Uh, yeah, so I'll talk about the stocks on Dr. Gottlieb. I, the last I heard from him was late September. Uh, the, the implication of a peak not being here yet ind indicates that there would be an increase to get to the peak. Uh, nonetheless, I mean, the point stands that we're uh, you know, looking at possibly peaking sometime in the next few weeks, and you have to think about what happens on the flip side of that. Now, with regards to uh, Salesforce, Twilio is another uh, software stock. I, I own small positions in Salesforce and Twilio. Together, they're about four percent of the portfolio that I run. That's not a lot. Um, the reason it's only so small is that I do think there's going to be volatility in these names, particularly as interest rates rise, which I do expect they slowly will. Um, and just these high-valued Salesforce and Twilio, if they come down a little bit, that gives me an opportunity to add to it. So this is a case where patience is a virtue, as it frankly always is in investing. Pete, over to you. I know you own IBM. Any other thoughts about these software stocks? Yeah, you know, I think by far I, I like Microsoft the best, and I realize that it's made this incredible run from the 230s all the way up over 300, but I still like this stock to go even much higher, Frank. I look at what they're doing and all the different areas that Satya Nadella has defined and where they want to grow, including the gaming, but also some of the acquisitions they've made have been impressive. Joe brings up buybacks. This is another company that uses a lot of cash for their buybacks. You look at their free cash flow, and then you start looking across at what their, what their cash position is versus debt. This is just a really, really well-oiled machine, and I think Microsoft has plenty of more room to the upside, quite honestly, as they continue to grab more and more, not necessarily from Amazon, but they grab more and more within the cloud. I think this is a company that's got a lot more room to run. So um, I'm excited about that name. I'm not as excited about IBM. I've held onto it for a while now. I'm still pondering what I'm going to do with that particular name. But Steph brings up Cisco. That's another one of these. Just It was way too cheap. If you go back to the start of this year and you take a look at Cisco, you just shake your head and go, why is it trading so inexpensively? But it's done that for a long period of time. Well, this year it started to take off pretty nicely. Despite the fact that it's done as well as it's done year to date, it still trades very inexpensively, upper teens, sort of a P.E. I think there's a lot more room for Cisco as well. 
All right, let's talk a little bit more about the broader markets and bring in our Mike Santoli. He's taking a closer look at the markets caught between caution and crazy. Mike. Frank, you know, you guys have covered a lot of the caution, right? There's a very plausible, prudent-sounding case going into the post-Labor Day period that says market's up a lot. Uh, it seems like we haven't had a 5%, 5% pullback since last fall. Uh, we do have this soft patch in GDP growth. Uh, maybe there's some deferred selling that needs to go on. So expect more volatility, maybe more muted returns. It all makes a lot of sense. I think the good news is that that is something close to the consensus right now. And more importantly, the market itself has been tacking in that exact direction and displaying those types of concerns. In other words, it's been more defensive and durable growth sectors that have been working recently uh, as opposed to the cyclical ones, which peaked back in June. So it seems like this process is far along. At the same time, the crazy piece, and I admit that this is eye of the beholder stuff, but a lot of people have been concerned with things like rampant volumes in those uh, speculative call options that have continued, uh, this crypto action in things like NFTs, uh, you've had this story over the weekend in the Wall Street Journal. People are looking for unrated junk debt because you want to squeeze out a little bit of extra yield. So it seems as if the risk cycle along this one corridor is getting a little bit nutty. And I think my uh, my struggle is to figure out whether, in fact, you can continue to sort of set that aside and consider it. Uh, you know, a separate market in a sense. And I think you almost can. It's not clear to me that the core of the market with this almost methodical and very orchestrated rotation higher has necessarily entered some kind of a giddy overshoot phase that would reflect some of that kind of crazy uh, adrenaline fueled stuff that's been going on in the markets. Final point, market has kind of done its steady work uh, running higher this year, even as things like IPOs, cloud stocks, Cannabis stocks, solar stocks, uh, SPACs, they all had these massive peaks and, and severe corrections, if not worse. And the overall market has rotated higher. And things like quality stocks and those uh, companies that are returning a lot of cash in, in dividends and buybacks have begun to outperform. So if you're going to the market and saying, hey, sober up, you got you to gotta get ready for maybe a little bit of a rougher patch in the economy, maybe go toward defense and quality, market's already there in a large sense. All right, Mike Santoli, we appreciate it. Pete, I'm going to turn it over to you. I know you like the rotation in market leadership, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's something that really it stands out for me, Frank, because for a, for a long time, period of time, we were so concerned because we really did look at the top four or five stocks, right? We were talking about FANG, it seemed like, every single day. And then people added different letters along to that whole that list. But I think the reality is we've seen this really healthy rotation. And I think that's really important because that's why this market has continued to move to the upside. We've gone through some of the pauses in Apple and Microsoft and some of those other names on the tech side of things. And then we had some leadership coming out of the financials. Then it was energy. Then it was industrials. And we've had and materials. We've had all of this rotation. And I think that's the part of this market that makes me feel better about the fact that we have moved to these levels where we are. Now, are some of these various specific names a little stretched? Absolutely. But I do think overall, when you look at some of these different sectors, we've had some really nice rotation. And because of that, that's what keeps me very bullish because it took a while. It took a while to go through these rotations. And now we're starting to see some of what we uh, we're going to into into the fall. And as long as we continue this rotational process, I think we have a market that can go higher. You know, really quick before we go, Joe, I want to turn over to you. Small caps coming off back-to-back week gains, up more than 5% in that time. Uh, our friends at Oppenheimer are actually putting out some research. Since mid-May, growth stocks within the Russell 2000 have been the best performers, up about 10%. What's your take? 
Well, the, the take is, is that small caps uh, and the Russell itself has recreated itself as an index where healthcare is now the biggest sector. So what has happened is biotech has made a little bit of a comeback. You have two names, Editas and Intellia Therapeutics done very well. Then you also had natural gas prices surging. There you have Console Energy, Southwestern, Range Resources. Uh, but I think you want to stay up in quality. I'll give you two names I like in small caps, BJ Wholesale. And then you also have Papa John's ticker symbol PZZA. Yeah, the Invest Committee is making more moves in this market. Their latest buys, they're coming up next. Plus, Netflix hitting new all-time highs today and a new street high target for the stock. Joe, you bought it last week. The committee debates if you should add it to your portfolio at these levels. Next up, our call of the day. And a reminder, you can always watch or listen to us live on the go on the CNBC app. Halftime is back in two minutes. You seek the key, but first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. EdwardJones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Welcome back. I'm Rahel Solomon, and here is our CNBC News update at this hour. Public health officials in Idaho have activated crisis standards of care for hospitals in the northern part of the state. They cite a, quote, massive increase in COVID patients needing hospitalization and severe shortages of health workers and available beds. Average new COVID cases in Idaho are 10 times what they were at the beginning of July. The Taliban has announced leaders of the new interim government in Afghanistan. Many are part of the Taliban old guard. There are no women and no non-Taliban appointees. And the interior ministry responsible for police and security will be run by the leader of the Haqqani Network, which the State Department has designated a terrorist organization because of its ties to al-Qaeda. And on the news, the Taliban seemingly ignoring calls to share power with other groups, what it means for the Middle East tonight at 7 p.m. Eastern. And just hours before that government announcement, Taliban fighters fired in the air to disperse protesters in Kabul, some there were demonstrating against Pakistan helping Taliban forces. There were also some women there claiming that their sons were killed by Taliban soldiers. You're now up to date. Frank, I'll send it back to you. All right. Thanks a lot, Rahel. And the investment, uh, can't even get it out. The investment committee is making some moves. Jim, you have a new stock buy? Yeah, I'm adding to the reopening trade by buying Wynn Resorts. Uh, I think everybody knows that the, uh, the casinos, the gaming stocks, have basically fallen off again since earlier this summer. Um, the thing I like about Wynn in particular, first off, I think the economy is going to reopen more when we get past this Delta peak. Uh, but the thing I like about Wynn in particular is the geographic diversity. They have operations in Las Vegas, in Macau. 
in Boston as well. Plus, they've got Win Interactive, which is their online betting uh, business. That recently got a private equity infusion from Bill Foley, who is a noted uh, fintech entrepreneur. So this is a great uh, mix of businesses here. I really like the price I am getting it for. And again, I'm adding to the reopening trade. I'm, I'm happy to do so. You know, speaking of Macau, uh, Wynn's license in Macau just got extended. Maybe part of the reason it's up almost 3% today. Stephanie, you also own Wynn. You bought it last year. <clears throat> yeah, it's been painful. It's down 28% from its highs. It's down 10% on the year. And as Jim mentioned, this is a Macau play. 70% of their EBITDA comes from Macau. So you need Macau to recover. It will, I believe. It's just patience is required. In the meantime, they do have 30% of their EBITDA in Las Vegas and in Boston. And that really carried the quarter, last quarter. Um, so they're buying time. They're executing very well. Operating costs were down 24% year over year. So they're doing what they can in a really tough environment. Uh, but I like it. I'm sticking with it. All right, Pete, turn it over to you. You bought more Capital One. Those shares are up more than 100% over the past 12 months. Yeah, it's a great company. Those, uh, what they've done, quite frankly, uh, Frank, is just everything. They've done almost everything right. And I, I love this company. When I take a look at where it is trading at a PE presently and where it's pulled back from, it's about $20 off the highs right now. I think this is part of a very, again, rotation where it's easing back a little bit, gives us a little bit of an opportunity to add more. I did add more. I think that there's plenty of room to the upside for this company. And you look at the credit card side and you look at the competition, Look at how inexpensively this stock trades versus much of the competition, whether you're looking at American Express or Visa or Master. It is very inexpensive. So I think there's plenty of room to the upside still. All right. Turning our attention now to our call of the day, Netflix hitting new all-time highs today. Shares now up 17 percent in the past month. And a new bullish call on the stock, Atlantic Equities, raising its price target to $780 from $690. That's a new street high. It's also our call of the day. Joe, you just bought some Netflix last week. I did. And, and listen, I'll be candid. It had nothing to do with fundamentals. Um, <laughs> you've got a you know, research, research firm now raises the target. They're doing so. They're reacting to the higher price. That's all they're doing. But you had a stock that was in a significant consolidation range for multiple months. And it was very similar when you pattern recognize it and you're looking at a factor of momentum to what we experienced with Amazon. You're now seeing the technical breakout unfolding. I told you that I believed it could go to six and a quarter, 650. Uh, that's the exact spot where I think ultimately it'll land. But you, you've reestablished positive momentum after a long period of consolidation. And that is something that is sustainable over not just a couple of weeks, but should be sustainable over an extended period uh, for multiple quarters. Pete, you also own some Netflix calls. What's your take? Yeah, you know, Frank, I, I'm listening to Joe, and I would agree with what Joe has to say about this thing. It's, it's not necessarily on the fundamental side of things, but you can point to the international growth and some of those things. But I think the reality is, look at what this stock has done in a really short period of time. And I'm not talking about just in the last week, but you just look at the last couple of weeks and where this stock was and where it is right now. It's absolutely catapulted to the upside. So I think there is a bit of a momentum play right now, and that's probably why we are seeing significant amounts of option trading in here as well. So a lot of people looking for a little bit of a bump to the upside. It's very, very short-term options, Frank, literally options that, tra that, that are trading for just one week or so. So that's, that's kind of where we are right now. This is a trade for me. I, I'm not in the stock, but I certainly do like the calls right now. You know, Stephanie, I know you're not in the stock either. I digged a little bit deeper in this Atlanta equities note. 
Um, part of their bull case here is that of almost a quarter of incremental revenue between now and 2025 for Netflix is going to come from U.S. subscribers. What's your take on that? Do you think they have that much more revenue growth here in the U.S.? I, I think they're capped out, quite frankly. It's one of the reasons I don't own it. I've owned Viacom in the past, but I made 100% in Viacom in a very short period of time, and I took my uh, profits. I don't own any of the streaming names right now. I would take a look at Disney uh, if we saw a pullback. It hasn't acted really well uh, as of late, but uh, if we see a 10% pullback, that's the one I would go with. All right. Well, coming up here on Halftime Report, Boeing lower as its biggest customer outside the U.S. ends talks to order jets. The stock is now down 8% in the past month. The trade is next here on Halftime. The infrastructure bill in Washington includes $7.5 billion for expanding electric vehicle charging stations, a much-needed shot in the arm for the industry. Top beneficiaries could be companies like Blink Charging, EVgo, and ChargePoint, which are underperforming the S&P 500's 21% gain so far this year. That's your ESG Fast Fact of the Day. Old Dominion Freight Line was built on keeping promises. With an industry-leading on-time delivery record and low claims rate, we keep promises better than any other LTL freight carrier because we treat every shipment like it's our most important one. Visit ODFL.com to learn more. All right, welcome back to Halftime. Boeing shares lower after one of its biggest customers, Ryanair, said it ended jet order talks. The stock's also the worst outperformer for the quarter so far and over the past month. Jim, you caught a lot of heat from Weiss and some other people for owning Boeing. What do you think? Yeah, well, I'm not happy with the uh, share price performance. I'm not happy with letting Weiss be white, be right. Excuse me. We'll get to that another time. Um, here's what I think. The Ryanair order. Ryanair is known for being a hard-nosed, bare-knuckle negotiator. I think this is a negotiating tactic. Now, why do I say that? First off, I can't say it with certainty. But the reason I think that is because it's going to be pretty hard for them to get A320s to expand the way they want to anytime soon. Airbus's order book is full. That's number one. Number two, Ryanair really doesn't want the added cost of having two platforms in its fleet. It's been shown to be much more economical, a la Southwest Airlines, to have one type of airplane in your fleet. They currently have the 737 as their as their main uh, operation, uh, excuse me, their main operating plane. So I think they will come back to the negotiating table. I think that's all this is. As for production issues with the 787, which is also weighing on it, uh, that will be worked out. The FAA is in no mood, understandably no mood, uh, to play along with Boeing. So they're making this hard for them. But eventually it's going to get worked out. This is a multi-year recovery story. I'm not going to get worried about two or three months of underperformance. Stephanie, you also own it. I do. It's been painful, too. It's a turnaround story. It's a reopened story. Uh, the Ryanair, I actually think it's the exact same thing that what Jim just said in terms of a negotiation tactic. Um, <clears throat> they have 457 37s already. So they're going to have to upgrade some of these over the next couple of years because the max is more efficient. So I do think that this is a tactic. We'll see how it all plays out. I don't really um, I'm not really paying attention to the 787 because it's really about the 737 series and the max. And so I'm going to stay patient with it. All right, straight ahead here on Halftime. Pete's latest trades in unusual activity. 
And tonight at 6 Eastern, don't miss a special edition of Fast Money Back to Business. Americans are coming back from vacations. Their kids are going back to school. Where are the opportunities for investors? And how has COVID impacted the return to the workplace? That's tonight at 6 Eastern, right here on CNBC. Halftime, back right after this. All right, time now for you on unusual activity. Pete, what are you saying? I got something really unusual for you, Frank. Earlier we were talking about Apple, and I talked about how everything that we are seeing option-wise, for the most part, is very, very short-term. Apple, just a few minutes ago, we had a huge buyer, 130,000 of the September 10th expiring Apple 157.5 calls. They were going for about 50 cents up to about a dollar. Just an amazing size trade, and that is what we see oftentimes in Apple are a very, very large size upside trades. It's something that I talked about at the top of the show when we were talking about Apple and how it trades. So we're seeing that. That's pretty interesting. I think you can add that along. And I've continued to do this where I'm, I, I'm long stocks, but I want an added beta kicker, so I'm buying calls. And I've done the same thing in Facebook. And as a matter of fact, today, the reason I did that was unusual option activity that we were seeing in Facebook. The stock was trading just underneath 380. Now it's trading about 380 in Facebook. But we had some very aggressive 11,000 of the September 380 calls. So right at the money. They're not going out of the money, right at the money, similar to what we were seeing in Apple. For a dollar up to a little over $2 for those calls. About 11,000 of those traded. They expire on Friday as well. I got one that's not going to expire on Friday. Actually, Nucor. October 22nd is where they're going to expire. The 140 call. Stock was trading about 115. It's a little lower than that now. But they bought 6,800 of the October 22 expiring 140 calls. Those went for about a dollar. There were two large prints of the 6,000 or 6,800, two large prints made up most of that option uh, paper that we were seeing there. Really pretty excited about this. I love when we're seeing this stuff during the show, so it's very, very much live, Frank, and I'm pretty excited about what we are seeing. Just continues each and every day. Volumes are just off the charts in the derivatives world. We're glad we have you there following it. All right, coming up here on Halftime, our experts are ready to answer your questions. That's coming up next in Ask Halftime. We're back right after this. All right, welcome back. The investment committee is answering your questions. First up, a video question for Jim from John in Cincinnati. Hi, my name is John Lunzer. I'm from Cincinnati, Ohio. My question is on Rocket Mortgage. The company has had consistent earnings quarter by quarter. They're getting into solar and auto refinancing. Interest rates are low. Applications for home mortgages are up. And I'm just trying to understand why the company is underperforming the marketplace. Thank you very much. You know, John from Cincinnati, a kind of okay HBO show, but a great question from him. Uh, Jim, what do you think? <laughs> yeah, I, it, this, is a, this is a tough one, uh, Rocket Companies, because we know that the housing market was on fire until uh, really, you know, early this year. And mortgage applications have fallen off a bit as interest rates have risen. You know, if, if you think, as I do, that the 10-year is going to continue to rise, that the yield curve may get a little bit steeper, I hear you that they're doing more things like auto loans, but they're still going to be known as a mortgage company, and mortgage rates are going to go up as interest rates go up. That seems to have more of a, a strong hit to uh, the housing demand, so I just think it's a tough place to be right now. I don't think it goes lower from here because there's still demand for housing, but I just think it's a tough place to be. I, I, I don't think you're going to get the net interest margin that you're hoping for as interest rates go up. All right. Next up, Pete, we got a video question for you. 
Hi, this is Jack in Germantown, and this question is for Pete. He had mentioned buying a number of calls in the EV space last week. I think uh, he mentioned Workhorse, um, Energy Transfer, Blink. But what about Volta Charging, um, VLTA? It went to uh, public uh, August 27th via SPAC merger, and it's had a very high call-to-put ratio this morning as well as last week. So do we buy calls in Volta? Thanks. All right, Pete, what's the call? Are you going to buy calls in Volta, or do you recommend doing that? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, the reason I would say yes would be not because I'm seeing unusual activity in there right now, quite honestly, Frank, but the idea of knowing exactly what your risks are going into a trade. This is another in the EV space, charging stations, all of that. We know how important all of that is and how fast people are trying to get out there. There are so many different companies. I would only do it through the options, though, because at least I know exactly what my risks are going into the trade, but I'm not seeing unusual today. All right, Stephanie, we've got a question for you. Uh, Jim in New York, they want to know your outlook on Match Group. Basically, you swiping left or swiping right on the stock. <laughs> I like it very much. It's only up 5% year to date. It's a, spin, it's a spin out from IAC, and I like spins. It's a reopen play as people want to date in person, and I like the M&A that they're doing as well. So uh, I still like it very much. Yeah, Match Group also offering a, like a verification badge on the site. I'm not on it my, myself, any of the sites. But I uh, did a story on it. They offer a badge that you can have your vaccination status. So I agree with you. Definitely a big reopening play right there. And lastly, Joe, a question for you. Jeffrey in Brooklyn wants to know, should they add pause to their position or are they da dun dun I'm going to do the, the rim shot ahead of time. Barking Je- up the wrong tree. So, <laughs> so, so Jeffrey, I added pa- a pause to my portfolio a very long time ago, and I think you should as well. It is a very diversified way to play the growth of the pet industry More households in this country own pets than have children. Um, I know a lot of people wanted to own just Chewy. Chewy peaked at 120 back in February. You get so much more. You get Zoetis, you get Idex Labs, you get Fresh Pet, and you get Chewy. You get all of it, diversified pet industry ETF. All right, final trades and hopefully some better jokes and puns. Next on Halftime, stay with us. And time now for final trade. Steph, kick us off. McDonald's, it acts like a staple, and I like the diversification versus the cyclicals that I own. They've done a really good job with digital, with drive-through, with delivery, and you get a 2.2% dividend yield. Joe T. Some great college football this weekend, Frank. (laughs) Football's back, pros coming. DraftKings breaking out. Yeah, I'm picking Tampa Bay on Thursday. Uh, Farmer Jim, over to you. (laughs) Uh, Citigroup, uh, 10 years at 137, looks like it wants to go higher. Citigroup has lagged the financials. I expect it to catch up. Pete, last but not least. Looking at Altria Group, this is a stock that hasn't been talked about a lot. It's up over 20% year to date, and I'm seeing some call buying in there right now, Frank. All right, that does it for the Halftime Report. The Exchange with Kelly Evans begins right now. You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast. You can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern, only on CNBC. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.